Welcome, everybody, to the High on the Hogs podcast. This is your host, Steve Henson, and joining me, as always, for our preview pod is my good buddy, Tyler Davis. Tyler, how you doing this week, man? My man, Steve, what's up? I'm doing good. I mean, everybody feels better after a victory. Hogs got a huge win over Tennessee over the weekend. The grass is greener, the sky is bluer, and the Hogs are 3-3 three and three and all SEC play. You know, what's exciting about this is uh, tonight's pod is not only did we handle Tennessee this weekend, but we somehow managed to get a Tennessee guy on the pod afterwards in SEC Mike. <laughs> SEC Mike, how you doing, man? Hey, I thought we weren't going to bring that game up. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, Arkansas, Arkansas's got it. We got to get our wins when we can. It's been a long time. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we. I love following you, man. I love, I love your stuff. I love, uh, you know, uh, jumping on and, and having an opportunity to. You, you get some really good stuff, and you've been very high on this Razorback team, so it's it's been exciting. But uh, you guys, make sure you catch Mike at. Uh, he is the host of that SEC podcast, so make sure you catch that and and uh, tell us what you do again over at Saturday Down South as well. Oh, uh, yeah, so I run the news desk over there. So basically, uh, you know, about 90% of the articles that uh, flow through Saturday Down South, or we've got the uh, the Twitter handle, SEC Football, just about each and every one of those, uh, I kind of get to pick what we're going to write about and, and write those articles and help other people write them and get them out. So uh, I just kind of live in SEC Football 24-7, uh, 365 it's a pretty cool job yeah so so far on the season it's been an exciting season to watch in the sec a season that i don't know that a lot of us knew would be coming and what would happen what's just uh, just what's been your thoughts so far just off the cuff of how this sec season's kind of played out so far uh, it's been unpredictable would be kind of my takeaway there I hope uh, you've not been keeping a tally of my picks against the spread. They're god-awful this year. <laughs> and I, I blame that on the pandemic, not me sucking at picking the games, even though it's probably a little bit of both. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just – I did kind of pick – I'm pretty sure – I picked Alabama out of the West, Florida out of the East. That's about the only thing I've gotten right. And uh, it's just been – you just don't know what you're going to get one week to the other with, you know, who's in, who's out, who's opted out, who's – got the COVID who's um, it's just been a while, but I'm loving it, man. I, the only thing is that, um, you know, it's kind of hard to complain against about all these sec games. Cause it has been awesome, but I think it's really hurt a couple teams not having a cupcake or two to get the thing rolling. Uh, but I don't know if you really can use that as, as an excuse because the teams I'm thinking of, you know, Tennessee, Mississippi state, they started the season with a win, uh, but you know it's just—it's kind of weird how it's played out, and I don't think we're done with the wackiness of it just yet either. Yeah, I tell Steve every every week. I have no idea how to pick these games because I mean, who knows how many players are going to be out, um, whether it be injuries or COVID. So it has been an incredibly unpredictable year. Um, but speaking of unpredictability, I mean, this is an Arkansas podcast. Um, coming into the year, Arkansas had incredibly low expectations. You know, coming off of four and twenty in the past two years, a new staff, no spring football, and all SEC schedule, it kind of seemed like everything was loaded up against them. Yet somehow they sit here at three and three. How surprised are you at that? And what are your thoughts on this Arkansas football team? 
Yeah, I don't know if you saw it, but, um, you know, I make my preseason predictions each year, and I picked Arkansas six, and I got a lot of Arkansas followers, and 95% were just thankful I wasn't picking them last. I mean, they were just tired (laughs) of being the worst team in the SEC, and now after beating Tennessee, it's – Man, they're just limited by bitches. It's just a, it's been a, it seems like it's been a week long celebration. So, you know, I kind of saw this coming. I think this is uh, just, just more of a indictment of Chad Morris. I know that's probably a bad word. We don't want to talk about him, but just how <laughs> bad he's been and how great Sam Pittman has been. And, uh, you know, it's, it's great because I've been covering the SEC a long time and always had a lot of respect for Sam Pittman and anybody that knows that guy. I could tell you what Arkansas was going to get in them, but just, you know, even I've been surprised how good this team has, has played this year. And, uh, you know, to toot my horn a little bit here, I did pick them to beat Mississippi State. And everyone thought I was, you know, they said I needed to be drug tested after that. One. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it's just been, um, you know, even better than I thought. And I got to be honest with you because I've, I've been touting up Barry Odom. I've been touting up Kendall Bryles all off season. People thought I was crazy, but uh, I think they're playing even better than I thought they would, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. I think uh, if I was being honest, I would have said, I think the offense would be a little bit ahead of the defense and it's kind of been the other way around. And, you know, we're still waiting to, to get the special teams rolling. And I don't know if I'm a Razor, Razorback fan, I got to be pretty excited about the future. I mean, who knows how long Sam Pittman's going to go here, but um, yeah, I mean, I've got an interest to see which coordinator sticks around the longest because I think the one that does is probably going to be the next head coach. What do you guys think about that? You know, we've actually talked about that a couple of times on the podcast, and and I wanted to talk. I wanted to get your thoughts on that too, as far as um, you know, who or as far do you think that Odom would leave for another head coaching job? And, and I, I mean, I don't know that it would have to happen after this season, but right now the iron's pretty hot for, for him to make a move if he wanted to. Yeah, I think that just kind of depends on what jobs are open. And, uh, you know, you've, you've heard, we've all heard it, you know, with the uh, tough financial times due, due to the pandemic and all that, how many jobs are going to come open? So I think uh, that could be working in Arkansas's favor. I don't know if there's going to be a bunch of jobs open up and, I certainly don't think he's just going to leave just to leave and, and just to be a head coach again because he sticks around and Arkansas's talent's only going to get better on that side of the ball. Uh, I think he's potentially looking at another SEC job if he sticks around here another year or two. So I think that's probably more in the cards, but I can't really say that until uh, I want to see how Arkansas does this weekend because I think he takes his into a new stratosphere if he goes into Gainesville and I know Arkansas is a big underdog but I don't think it's crazy to, to think that Arkansas could win that game and if they do it without Sam Pittman and they do it as Barry Odom the interim head coach I might have to change my tune and I, and I think he probably would get a head job after this season yeah I'm, I'm with you on that too I think that, that this could be a huge week for Odom obviously um, you know what because one thought or one I guess one thing that we've talked about because we like I said we've had this conversation about Odom especially early when you know when, when Arkansas was re- when the defense kind of was surprising everybody um, and, and you know the thought was you know 
Odom kind of naturally fits. He he went to you know he was he's a Missouri guy. He had his job that he wanted. You know he had opportunities at other head jobs when he left when he was fired from Missouri after last year, and, and then he ends up at Arkansas in kind of a prime situation with a guy like Sam Pittman. You made the point. Who knows how long he hangs around? Um, you know, or how long he how much how, how many years he has in him that he wants to coach before he retires? As he said, this is going to be his last job. So. Is a Barry Odom a guy that – because I see Barry Odom being in that mold of a guy that may – he's already been there. Maybe he wants to follow Pittman since this is a region he's from versus Bryles who may be a little more apt to want to do more, you know, bigger things in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at the same time, and as I look around college football, it seems like offense is, is just where it's at. I mean, I get the rules have changed to make offense, uh, you know, to help that side of the ball and – uh, that's the difference right now at Alabama and Florida, and that's why Georgia is is in second place right now. I mean, they've got an outstanding defense. I know it's banged up; it didn't. They, they've struggled against Alabama and Florida, but it's kind of an offensive game now. And uh, Kendall Browse has been a part of of working with so many elite quarterbacks, going back to RG three and. Uh, King, I think is how you say that. The guy at Miami, they worked together at Houston, and well, now we see what he's doing with Felipe, and uh, they're bringing in you know some touted quarterbacks there to Arkansas. So I don't know. I that's a that's a tough one. I, that's a decision. I don't think Arkansas would ever want to have to make, but you might have to make it at some point. I would almost lean towards the offensive side of the of the ball because uh, I don't know. I just think that's the way college football is going. So. Kendall Browse, you know, the crazy thing about him is he, he doesn't even stick around where he's at. He, he always goes, you know, for one year on the job and then he's out. And I know he's he's been pretty emphatic. He doesn't want that to, to be the case at Arkansas. And it, it's probably going to suit him to have some roots and settle down for a couple seasons here. But we see what Ole Miss is doing right now. They're kind of – they're running a little bit of um, that same system. They come from the same tree, the, the Art Browse – offensive scheme there so I think once Arkansas has a better uh, offensive line I think you're really going to start to see you know that higher payoff because that's what he he wants to be a ground and pound and spread you out and and hit you with the big play and, and they're doing some of that but it's just it's been a struggle more often than not it seems like with Arkansas it seems like it seems like they have one or two hot quarters a game then the, the, some other quarters they can't do anything on offense so and I, I think that's just – that's not the coaching. I think it's just kind of a, a lack of talent on the offensive line right now, which, you know, with Sam Pittman and Brad Davis, they're going to get that corrected pretty quickly. Yeah, I would agree with that too. The offensive line's definitely been an area where you've seen some improvement, but definitely uh, could could use a lot more improvement to get that running game going more consistently to help with those big shot plays that they want to take. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, Mike, as you mentioned – in this pod, and I've seen you talk about before, obviously Sam Pittman's done a really good job um, of hiring his staff and has two pretty elite coordinators. Um, but the buck starts at the top. We all know that. So I, I want to talk about Sam Pittman himself. I mean, it's no secret that, that when Arkansas hired him, um, that hiring was really met with a low level of excitement nationally. Uh, most people thought that was a pretty big reach. He hadn't even been a coordinator, much less a, a head coach at this level. Um, everyone thought it was Arkansas's plan D, E, or even F. And it may not have been a flashy hire at the time, but so far it, here, it appears to be the right hire for Arkansas. So what are your thoughts on Sam Pittman as a head coach at the SEC level? 
And has your perception of him in that position changed at all since he was initially hired? Well, yeah, I mean, my God, how could it not? I mean, he's going to win national coach of the year the way he's going, not just SEC. I mean, he's already locked up SEC coach of the year, I think. But <laughs> if they, they don't even have to win too many more games. I think he's going to be national coach of the year. So uh, I think anybody would be lying if they told you. Like I said, I had a very, very, very high opinion of him as a recruiter and as a, uh, the offensive line coach. And everywhere he's been, the offensive line has just uh, – it's been fantastic, but just didn't think it'd be quite to this level of, of just, you know, my favorite thing about Sam Pittman, I've, I'm sure you guys watch all the stuff too, but every time he speaks, I mean, I don't, I don't know that the man, if he wins coach of the year, I don't even know if he's going to accept it. I mean, I think he's probably going to hand it off to one of his coordinators or his players. I mean, right. the man accepts, uh, refuses to take any kind of praise. So uh, I don't know. I just, sometimes I think, you know, fit is very important. And, you know, Sam Pittman probably wouldn't be a very good coach at Vanderbilt or uh, Missouri or, or Tennessee, but he fits Arkansas. And I think that's important. And I think, I think a guy like uh, Ed Orgeron fits LSU. And that, and I think that that's kind of the key. Uh, we need to get away from the rest of the SEC where we're just trying to get Nick Saban clones because you're just, you're never going to beat the master doing what he wants to do. You've got to you've got to do something different. And I'm happy to see that Arkansas did that instead of uh, hiring the next Saban defensive coordinator because it, it just it just is not going to work. It doesn't work at Georgia. It doesn't work at Tennessee or South Carolina or Florida. Uh, so you know, I'm just I'm just happy that's worked out finally for Arkansas fans because they deserve a, a good football team. That fan base does and. And uh, I'm, I'm jealous. I'm, je- I'm Tennessee fan, like I said. <laughs> you, you make a really good, uh, a really good point there, talking about the uh, the offense. Or I'm, I just totally lost my train of thought. I was looking back over at something else. I hate when that happens. Um, but uh, let me let me move on. I want to move on to. Or let me go back now that I've, I've caught my train of thought back up. But um, you make a good point about hiring and fits. And and when when Pittman was hired the correlation or the, the comparison to Orgeron and how he managed that as a CEO and, and made really good hires uh, to, to see how those two things work together. And then you look back in, in a name that you brought up a minute ago in a guy like Chad Morris, who was hired as like a hype man, like the next big offensive genius guru. You couldn't get mouths on. So you go get his, his little brother basically thing. And this guy comes in with this big hoorah. And so as Arkansas fans, it's been a lot of fun to, you know, I don't know if you saw the introductory press conference for Chad Morris when he was hired, um, but we should have all been concerned at that point because they had to bring in a stunt <laughs> double to repel from the roof of, uh, of, of Verizon Arena in Little Rock at the, the night that he was introduced. So we probably should have known there was some, a whole lot of fake going on there before anyway. Yeah, he was a poor man, Butch Jones. He, I could, he could see oh, that man, from yes. the get-go, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Yes, 100. Yeah. This is the only nice thing I'll ever say about him. He's uh, he brought in some talent. Yes, right. He didn't do anything with it, but uh, Sam Pittman and his his coaching staff got to be thankful that uh, 
some of the players he brought in. Look, we all heard about how great of a player Jalen Catalan was, and it took Chad Morris leaving us for us to figure out just how great a player he really is. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to switch gears a little bit. We'll go ahead and jump into SEC in general, get away from Arkansas for a second. But So I want to talk about Auburn first. What's your thoughts on Auburn and how that marriage between Malzahn and Morris is going, and where do you think it's going to go throughout the season? Yeah, I mean, I'm not the biggest Gus fan, to be honest with you. I think if, uh, <laughs> I think None of us are. one of the <laughs> one of the more underrated coaches in not just the SEC but in the nation is Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator there. He saved Gus, Malzahn, Gus Malzahn's job once or twice, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I think that being said, I think if uh, Auburn was located in a different state, I don't think he'd be in that much trouble every year. It's just he's just got the curse of, uh, you know, having a coach in the same state with Nick Saban, who's the greatest college coach of all time. And, you know, how could you not get frustrated seeing all the championships and the dominance that Alabama has? And then here you're sitting at Auburn and you're just kind of hoping to compete with them every other year or so, or so. But, you know, if you look at it, I know there's been drama there, but out of all the active coaches in the SEC, I mean, Gus Malzahn's got Nick Saban's number more than any other. But the problem with Gus Malzahn's program is they always drop a game or two they shouldn't. Yep. And they've already done that this year with South Carolina. Uh, they, We all know they dropped that game to Arkansas, regardless of what the standings say. So, Amen. I mean, they've already done that twice this year. Now, I'm thinking they're going to do it against Tennessee, or at least that's just me wishful thinking. But it, it could happen again. So, um, yeah, I – I understand why he faces the pressure he does, but I think at the end of the day, uh, I, I think they'd be wise to, to stick with him for the time being because, uh, you know, they, they always seem to have a good defense. And, um, you know, the cheating they're doing in recruiting, they're, they're really good at it. They've, they've, they've never gotten caught once. <laughs> yeah, bag, bag men are plentiful down on the plane. Yes, they are. Sure. Yes, they are. Um, I, hate, I, I hate to do this to you, and I know you asked us not to, but, but, I mean, what's going on in Knoxville with, with the Vols? I mean, that, that winning streak that they had seems kind of like a fluke of the distant past. They really seem like a poor second-half team. Um, there's been a lot of frustration with Jim Chaney's offense, which Arkansas fans are all too familiar with. Um, so what do you think the issues are, and is Jeremy Pruitt really the guy for the job? Uh, I mean, honestly, that remains to be seen, but I don't think it's quite as dire as people make it out to be. Uh, you know, there's a lot of factors. You, know, you could call it an excuse if you want, but, you know, just like everybody else, there was no spring. There was, you know, the, a training camp that was very unusual. But the plan there in Knoxville was they brought in a quarterback, very touted guy by the name of Harrison Bailey. He, the Arkansas fans got to see a little bit of him at the right. tail end of that game. That that was basically the – he played in um, – in the Kentucky game, like the last series when they were down by like 35 points is ridiculous. But that's the only game action he's played. And the plan was to bring him along in the spring, hopefully him win the job. Uh, He's, I would assume Arkansas fans don't know this, but uh, in the state of Georgia, you know, that's some of the best high school football in the country. And he's right up there with Deshaun Watson and uh, Trevor Lawrence with the stats he's put up at the, one of the highest levels at that school and they won the Georgia state championship last year. So he, he's a touted guy. He's the future of, of that position there at Tennessee. But I just think that, 
with no spring. And then in training camp, he was in the COVID protocol, so he didn't get the training camp either. I think it just blew up on him where they have to stick with Jared Garantano, and they've got no confidence in him. He's, he's a talented kid, but he's just too inconsistent, and he's got a lot of issues, uh, just, just confidence issues. Once something goes wrong, it just it just snows, snowballs on him, and the fan base is done with him. I think the coaching staff is done with him, but they – you saw the other guy. I don't know if you noticed that guy, Brian Maurer. I mean, he came right. in there and it just looked looked like he had never played football in his life. So, <laughs> I mean, that's their backup right now. So they're yeah. just in a real tough spot, and they don't have any good receivers either. So uh, when Cheney was brought in, believe it or not, he's been there two years now. Uh, he has not signed a quarterback that he went after. So they've got a, a really touted guy from the state of Texas that a lot of people are comparing him to uh, Russell Wilson. So he's that type of guy. And then uh, in the next class, there's another quarterback from the state of Tennessee by the name of uh, Ty Simpson, who everyone's saying is like the next big thing. He's he's either going to go to Tennessee, Alabama, or Clemson. And in my opinion, I think the, the biggest issue with Tennessee is the quarterback play. And, you know, I already said it, Florida, Alabama, uh, you know, last year, Joe Burrow. I mean, college football is just, it's almost, now it's, it's not all about the quarterback, but you just can't win at a high level without one. Right. And I think Tennessee, if they pull the plug on Jeremy Pruitt, they're going to lose this kid from Texas that they got committed. They're going to have no chance with Ty Simpson. And I just don't think that's wise. I think uh, as bad as, as they've been this year, I think you stick it out and you, you try to get those quarterbacks on campus and see what you can build because uh, it just changes your entire program if you got one of those guys and they pan out. Well, and I think it's way too early to pull the plug on on Pruitt when you just look at the overall. Again, you made good points there as far as what everybody's dealing with. But, I mean, realistically, when you look at it, they lost to Georgia, a team that they were beating at halftime. That, that just made At the time, Georgia was making phenomenal second half, half adjustments anyway. It wasn't a surprise that Georgia played as well as they did. You lose to a really good Alabama team, and then lose to a, a, an Arkansas team on the you know on the road. That's you know just a completely different team than anybody thought they'd be coming into the year for the most part. So really, the only just just terrible loss there that Kentucky lost just the way it started. So I think it's too early to pull the plug on Pruitt. I, I think you've you've got some opportunity there, and and, and and that he can he can kind of dig out of this. The the backside of the season is still pretty tough. We'll be rooting for you guys against Auburn for sure. But um, Oh yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think it's a little early to make that to make that move for sure. I, I you know, I think Pruitt's he's going to be able to recruit really well there to Tennessee, so it'll be fun to watch. Sticking with uh, and everybody's everybody wants Hugh Freeze. All all Twitter wants Hugh Freeze. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, come on. I can tell you, I can tell you right now, there's not there's just not a, enough good escort services in Knoxville for <laughs> Tennessee to land Hugh Freeze. Hey, look, he if they snagged, he snagged that biblical bag, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look, if he could find enough of those uh, those those escorts in Mississippi, surely he can find them in Knoxville or the surrounding area. So, <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that that, uh, that, so that brings me to my next, just sticking to the to the topic of, of coaches, hot seat coaches. So the everything that I've been reading, and I don't know, I saw this, I think maybe it was over the weekend or last week, you mentioned Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze to South Carolina, Muschamp's out, you know, this is, that, that's been the big talk, of course. Does, does Muschamp really get to survive another mediocre season in South Carolina? Even with that's the craziness of like COVID? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it's, he's got a high buyout for sure. But at the end of the day, I mean, if they're just not competitive, I think he got to pull the plug. I mean, a lot of fans would have been happy to see him go last year. Um, you know, the thing that's kind of ironic with that is the thing that's always haunted Will Muschamp is he's never been able to hire an offensive coordinator. And now he's finally done that. I, I think Mike Bobo, I think he's a very good offensive coordinator. They just, uh, they don't have many pieces. Uh, they, they have, they brought in a five-star running back. He blew out his knee in training camp. He was going to be just a sensational player, kind of like a Alvin Kamara type running back. And now they've got, <laughs> now that they've got, uh, you know, the right offensive coordinator, they just don't have any weapons. And, and certainly that's, an indictment on Will Muschamp, but uh, the biggest issue is the defense is falling apart. And I mean, that's that's his baby. I mean, that's what he. When you hire Will Muschamp, you assume that the defense is going to be solid, and the defense is uh, kind of falling apart here. They've allowed a hundred points the last two weeks. So I think if they lose to Ole Miss, I think he's done. And uh, I mean, they basically. I think they have. They've got four games remaining. They've got to win three of them just for him to keep his job, and uh, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I was kind of intrigued, actually, to see the uh, see how Colin Hill and, and Bobo um, would work out there. I had another question for you on – so talking about these firings, we've talked about this on the podcast a few times. What's your thoughts on the perception? I know that it, obviously people look at the numbers game in college football, and a lot of them, if you're not a – you know, if you're not a really you – know, if you don't follow college football really closely, you don't understand how some of these salaries are paid – and so I know private money plays a huge part into how these coaches, how these buyouts are paid and all that kind of stuff. But what's your thoughts when you have schools across the SEC and really across the country that are asking for fans to pay extra money right now and to help them get out of a hole, and then the fan bases are going to look and say, well, you were willing to pay $28 million to get rid of a coach, but you need my money. What's your thoughts on how that will play out as far as some of these coaches, again, like a Muschamp or a Malzahn if they decided to move on from there? Or, you know, I mean, obviously Jimbo was the talk before they kind of turned things around and had a really good season. But places like that with those big buyouts, do you think that's going to hinder anything with COVID and, and, and the perception from the fan bases have already been asked for money? Well, that's the thing. I mean, everyone that's calling for these firings, I mean, they're – they're not paying the price, so they don't give a damn. Right. I mean, <laughs> people that, that want Jeremy Pruitt gone at the end of their Tennessee fans, are they going to pay the $12 million buyout? Are they going to offer up 100 bucks? I mean, no. They, they just they want it done, and they think that just the money is just going to fall out of a tree or something. And uh, with you know all the financial difficulties right now, I just don't think it's very realistic. So, you know, I, I don't think the fans should be paying it either. I mean, uh, it, we've kind of gotten into a – a weird spot where these agents, these coaching agents are just, are just doing a number on these ADs and, and they don't, I don't know, they're out with it or something. They need to bring in a business manager to, to work out these contracts. And um, I don't know how much, if you guys have talked about this or not, but that's kind of, that's part of the reason it was so hard for Arkansas to find a coach. And oh, that's yeah. part of the reason they went with Sam Pittman because they didn't want to pay all these ridiculous buyout monies. And, right. Uh, I, I believe he's got it in his contract. If he doesn't win, I think it's like thirty-five percent of his games or something. They don't. They don't even owe him all the money. So, right. Uh, well, they got. They got to worry about that now because he's winning. But, yeah. <laughs> but see, that, they're they're happy to pay it if you if you win. But if you don't, if you're a Chad Morris, you don't deserve to get paid. If you're Butch Jones, you don't deserve to get paid, and you certainly don't deserve to go coach against Tennessee and Alabama and get paid on top of that. So it's kind of ridiculous. Um, so. Yeah, I, I don't know if I answered your question or not, but that's kind of, that's kind of I just think it's kind of wild. 
Yeah, and Hunter Juracek is very outspoken on his disdain for those uh, high buyouts. So we'll see if if he can lead the charge to some change in the future. Is obviously you know he, he made a pretty good pretty good hiring decision this time around. So we'll see if maybe maybe right. he can start pushing some of that change in the future as well. Yeah, without a doubt. Not, and like I said, I think that's kind of why. I mean, it kind of hurt him. I guess. You, well, I don't know if it hurt him, but it just it threw out the process here because it. Uh, and I think Sam Pittman didn't give a damn about that, you know, and, and that's part of why he's there because he wanted to be there. No doubt. I mean, just taking kind of a a, a broad view of the SEC, despite all the craziness of the season, we are going to have a champion um, at the end of the year. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe you picked Florida to beat Alabama um, in the title game in the preseason. Um, are you sticking with that prediction? Um. I mean, I, I don't know. It's tough to say because Mac Jones is a lot better than I thought he'd be. Me too. Yeah. But <laughs> Alabama also lost Jalen Waddle. You know, what I mean, that's right. huge. Um, and I still think, I don't think it's really shown, but I think Alabama's defense is very suspect. Uh, but at the same time, Florida's defense has been suspect <laughs> too. So uh, that might be a game where it comes down to you know whoever has the ball last. But um, yeah, I think. I certainly think Florida could give them a game. I just, I don't know if I would pick them. I would probably lean towards Alabama right now, but just by a very, very slim margin. All right. So before we let you go, again, joined by SEC Mike, Michael Braddon of that SEC podcast in Saturday Down South. Again, appreciate you joining us. But before we let you go, this is our preview pod. So every week we put we drop our pod on Fridays to preview the upcoming Razorback game. So give us your thoughts on the Florida-Arkansas matchup this weekend. And if you want to give us a pick, we'd appreciate that too. Yeah, let me see. I just Actually, I just got done doing that on my own podcast here. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is going to be the marquee game of the weekend. I already thought it was, even before all these cancellations. This is the game that I was looking forward to the most. I was pretty surprised to see that line. It's uh, Florida, as I currently have it, is a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. I think that's kind of ridiculous. I think Arkansas will give them a much better game than that. I think this is a game that goes into the second half. And um, you guys may be more up-to-date than, than me. I've just been kind of MIA on, on Thursday. But uh, last I heard, Kyle Pitts, you know, 50-50, whether he's going to play. I don't think he's right. going to play. Yeah, I don't think so either. And I, yeah. I, think, I think he's out, I, yeah. I, I think that's that's huge for Arkansas because – you know, it's nothing against Arkansas, but I don't know if there's anybody in the country that can match up with that guy. So uh, that's huge. And how much how much does not having Sam Pittman hurt, you know? And mm-hmm. um, I, I was talking about this on on my show, but, uh, you know, all off season, and people laughed at me when I said this, but I thought Kyle Trask was the SEC's best quarterback. And I think that's kind of held true. Maybe you could say Mac Jones, but Kyle Trask certainly – if he's not number one, he's number two. But uh, I've been very impressed with Felipe Franks. Never been a huge fan of his, but I think he's playing outstanding. And if you go into this matchup, I mean, who's going to be more motivated to have a better game, Kyle Trask or Felipe Franks? I think it's obvious. I think it's Felipe Franks. So uh, I think, I don't want to say the pressure, but I think the, the, the team, you know, it certainly seems to me that uh, I was – very surprised how quickly Felipe Franks kind of won this team over, named a team captain. What 
I think he got there in June, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, hell, I mean, when Sam Pittman got uh, diagnosed with COVID, the first thing he said, he's, you know, I'm disappointed that I'm not going to be there for Felipe. I mean, that just -hmm. just goes to show what this team thinks of him. I think they're really going to, you know, it's not, at this point, we can't even question how hard Arkansas is going to play, but I think they might even take it up to another level. So I think this is a four four quarter game here. I think it goes down to the wire, but in the end, all the nice things I said about the Razorbacks, <laughs> I think Florida is just uh, too talented, too deep. Dan Mullen, yeah. he may, he may be a jerk, but he's a great coach. <laughs> and uh, I mean, they're they're firing on all cylinders right now, and it, it's hard for me to believe that they're going to beat Georgia and then you know control their destiny to get to Atlanta and then come in here and lay an egg. So I think they're going to give Arkansas their best too, but. Uh, like I said, I think the spread is kind of ridiculous. I think Arkansas is not getting their respect. So I'll take Florida to win, but Arkansas to cover. I have it uh, Florida 35, Arkansas 23. Oh, wow. I'll take that. Hey, look, to have Fair enough, yeah. to have anyone in, in the media outside of the state of Arkansas that could say that this line is ridiculous and, and to give Arkansas this much credit – just it, it's a lot of fun right now as an Arkansas fan and, and and being able to do this last year's pod was really difficult to do each week um this, <laughs> this year's pod's been a whole lot more fun oh I bet I mean I, I don't even want to talk about uh, Tennessee anymore so good luck, good for you good for you guys there you go. for you. well we'll be rooting for Tennessee in a couple weeks against Auburn for sure but uh Michael, we appreciate you joining us. You guys make sure you jump over on Twitter yeah. and, and, and follow Michael. It's at Michael W. Bratton on Twitter, SEC Mike, as he's known. And uh, get over and listen to his podcast, at That SEC Podcast, anywhere where you get your podcast. And, again, man, we appreciate you joining us, Mike. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, guys. SEC Mike, Michael Bratton joining us tonight. And we – Really appreciate it. It's good stuff, man. Really good stuff, Todd. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Always good when you can when you can get an outsider's perspective. I mean, you never know how biased we are on the on the inside. So uh, he's been definitely been one of the one of the national guys that's been high on the hog, as you would say, uh, for the entire season. So uh, awesome insight there, and really good to have him on. Yeah, good good interview. Appreciate Mike again for joining us. Uh, a lot of fun. I know he was not feeling the greatest tonight. Um, hopefully, he's not got the bug that it seems like everybody else does. I want to want to throw out a few prayers out there. I've got some. I actually got so you know we we talked about this for months and months and months and and I've always said this. So this is off the cuff. This isn't even in our notes. I'm just throwing stuff out there. But I've said this forever. Being in the real estate world. Arkansas sees everything last. Like we see, we see, we see financial stuff last. We see job hits last. We see COVID last. I mean, I know we've had it, but you know, what three months ago, if you'd asked me if I knew anybody that had COVID, I'd be like, no. I mean, maybe me back yeah. in January, but I, I don't know. And now, like, shoot, Andy had it. Um, you know, I know several other people, close friends of mine, that have it, or their kids have it, and and now, uh, you know, prayers out to. To all these you know, these different schools, like we got word today that uh, uh, my kid, my we, my son goes to Sylvan Hills. Sylvan Hills is is all virtual until um, after Thanksgiving, and then uh, you look at the state high school playoffs. I think we've had four, three or four teams. Are what Benton, Bentonville, Earl, and I know there's one other that I'm forgetting, but I think four schools that have had to bow out because of it, and and, and so. Bruh. 
man, I hate to see those those seniors lose that, you know, I mean, Benton yeah. was a team that was expected to win. Um, and so uh, Bentonville West, another program that's had a you know decent year. So disappointing that, uh, that they are not going to be able to finish their season out the way they wanted to. So just hope everybody stays safe, wash your hands, and, and, and do what you got to do to, to protect yourself and others. Yeah, I mean, even even the SEC's been hit hard yeah. this week with it. I mean, especially with contact tracing and all that. So it's definitely a real thing. It's definitely making its way around. And, and I don't want to make this into a coronavirus podcast, but I'm definitely thoughts and prayers in it with everybody that's dealing with it and, and every program and every every kid and every player. And just, just got to stay safe and, and take the precautions that you can and, and do the best that you can to avoid it. Yeah, if you want to listen to a coronavirus podcast, search back a couple of months ago, and we had a doctor from UAMS on. So um, you can go back <laughs> and, and listen to that episode if you want. It, it was the beginning of COVID, but if you want more COVID stuff, there you go. All right. So I'm going to jump in just a little bit here. Uh, we don't we don't want the folks to, to have to sit around with us for like an hour and a half tonight. So Right, right. Let's jump into the Tennessee game real quick. Um, Andy and I were able to get a decent pre- re- recap of that now that he's – about 90% back to the to the real world and, and life. So um, let, let's go back. One thing, when I, I love watching these. Um, I love looking after the game or even during the game and, and looking at the win probabilities and, mm-hmm. then, and then how they shift. And it's crazy. So with a minute, let's just go right here. I think this was probably their highest point. Well, so with a minute 57 to go in the first half, Arkansas punted. It was a fair catch by Eric Gray. Tennessee had an 85.1% win probability at that point in the game. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it, it, went, it went down. Let's see. This is let's, – let's jump. So, right after Arkansas scored their touchdown, it fell to 73 point uh, – 67% basically. Um, so, a decent drop. And then all of a sudden – that uh where was that touchdown after the yeah so it jumped from that 68 67% to right after arkansas scores the uh the touchdown to go up 21 13 the win probability went 83% to arkansas <laughs> <laughs> dramatic yeah. oh it's just always interesting i don't know i find those those charts pretty intriguing so Anyway, getting into the Tennessee game, Arkansas handled business. I know you and I, and, and all, we talked a lot about that first half and how uh, how frustrating it was watching Arkansas kind of get bullied around. Give me your thoughts on, on how that game went against Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a, a tale of two halves. Um, I actually got to go to the game. It was the first game I got That's to right. see in person. Um, so it, it was kind of a, an interesting feeling at halftime because obviously Arkansas – played really poorly in the first half, missed some opportunities. I mean, missed a chip shot, field goal. And, and like you said, I mean, they were getting pretty much punked physically up front, getting gashed in the running game. Um, but but you weren't, you didn't really feel out of it. I mean, nothing Tennessee was doing was that impressive. And Arkansas, you felt like, could play so much better. Um, so I think, I think it was just a feeling of we're not really that far out of this. And, and immediately out of halftime, Arkansas set the tone with that opening drive. I mean, anytime you can have a 17-play, 75-yard drive for a touchdown, um, that's a big tone setter. That touchdown pass to Mike Woods, and it was just all pretty much uphill from there. Um, 20, like 24 unanswered points in the third quarter. Um, in the second half, Arkansas had seven straight defensive stops, um, forced five punts and two picks. 
Um, it, it was one of the better quarters I've seen from Arkansas in a long time. I mean, I know, I think maybe back when, when Tyler Wilson was the quarterback and they played A&M, there might have been a, a quarter or so where they blew up like that. But, but I think it was Arkansas adjusting to, obviously, the run game, but, but Tennessee's complete inability to pass. And then on the other side, Arkansas really found the big play with Felipe Frank. Um, on the second possession of the second half, he had that 56-yard pass to Mike Woods. Um, that was initially ruled a touchdown, but he, he did step out of the six, and it ended with a Blake Kern touchdown. And then the, my favorite player of the game was the, was the 59-yard touchdown pass to, to Traylon Burke, where he kind of scrambled to the left, bought some time, and then set his feet and just launched it. Um, I mean, people say Felipe throws a great deep ball, and that was a perfect example of that. And Traylon obviously did the rest. But impressive performance from Arkansas. I know Tennessee's not necessarily trending in the right direction, um, but I, I don't know the stat. Um, and I wish I did. I tried to look it up beforehand, but it was like, it's been a long, long time since Arkansas has come back um, from any sort of deficit in an SEC game. I don't remember how long it's been, but it's been years. Um, so for them to be able to do that and win pretty convincingly in the end, I was just really, really pleased with the performance on offense and defense in the second half, especially. Yeah, and one other stat that was really impressive to me in the second half was you take out that final drive that ended in the interception by Catalan and all the little dink and dunk throws that Bailey made. You take that, <laughs> yeah, what was that? <laughs> right. You take that drive out, and Tennessee had 48 yards of offense in the second half. Man, yeah, that's imp- very impressive. I mean, were you – one other thing before we move on. Were you surprised – I meant to ask Mike this too. Were you surprised that more they didn't try any more designed runs with Moore in that, when he came in? Because he's obviously their more athletic running style quarterback, and they didn't seem to want to try to do anything with him. Yeah, I- I'm going to be honest. I mean, I was surprised they didn't do much of anything on yeah. offense. I mean, I know that – the straight up just normal everyday running game was working for him in the first half. But when that kind of got shut down in the second half, I mean, Jim Chaney didn't really adjust at all. And I know that they don't have a good passing game, but it was like they totally refused to throw the ball. I mean, I know when they did, it was often inaccurate, but they didn't test Arkansas downfield whatsoever. And like you said, they didn't try any sort of quarterback run game to try to supplement the running back running game. So I, I, w- I would be really frustrated if I was a Tennessee fan I'm not sure where they're going to go offensively. I think they just have to hope that, that like Mike said, that Harrison Bailey is a stud and, and they can figure that out at that position. Yeah, for sure. All right, players of the game. Give me your offensive player of the game. Um, I'm just going to go with, with QB1, Felipe Franks. Um, I'm continually impressed um, with, with what he's doing and how he's improving week in and week out. Um, 18 of 24, 215, three touchdowns, um, no turnovers. I know he fumbled the ball. At least, I think a couple times, but well, we got Arkansas got it back both times. I mean, he's consistently been a top four or five SEC quarterback this year, um, and, and just having that solid, reliable veteran presence in the backfield has paid dividends for Arkansas. I know that that Kendall Charles is working with some limitations on the offensive line, but just having Frank's back there, um, this has been a really solid, improving Arkansas offense as the year has gone on. So I give it to Felipe after this one. Yeah, so on the offensive side, I gave mine um, on Monday or on the, the, the pod that dropped Tuesday, um, and I'm going to stick with it. So there's a few options. Obviously, I think we, we talked about this. You can give Traylon Burks it every single week. Uh, Felipe yeah. Franks looked really good. But I'm going to give it to Slant Route Mike Woods. Um, I like it. Yeah, I, he just almost six yards away from having two touchdowns on the game. Um, just huge plays there. So um, I really – I like the more and more if we can just continue to kind of – 
work him in. I really like him. You know, one of the keys this Florida game is going to be those slant routes and how well Florida, and we'll get into that in a minute, but, you know, Mike Woods could 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 have a big game this week, and, and I, I just I, I just love him. I like, I like the routes he runs. Um, you know, I like Woodville, um, so I'm going <laughs> yeah. Mike Woods on the offensive side of the ball, and, and then I'll jump into the defensive ball side of the ball start. No surprise here, my guy Jalen Catalan is who I'm going with this week. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we we can both agree that that, that Catalan's the, the player of the week. I mean, he won SEC yeah. Defensive Player of the Week. Um, he won another national award today. Today, yeah. I believe. I think he had ten tackles in the first quarter alone, um, and, and I think he's the fourth Arkansas player to win Defensive Player of the Week, and, and that's in six games and six SEC games. I mean, that's never happened um, in the history of the program. So that's that's incredible. I can't believe. They didn't give him any playing time last year, but but like we said countless times, and we'll continue to say in the future, he's just a flat out stud. I mean, he's an all SEC all SEC safety in my opinion. Yep. All right, so let me get this switched over here because I had a good little. Here we go. Okay, so let's jump into this Florida Arkansas game. Uh, Florida leads the all time series nine and two, uh, includes a thirty eight twenty eight win in that SEC championship game, the Reggie Fish game, no. and then a thirty four to three win in the ninety five SEC SEC championship game, and then of course the two thousand nine game. And then the Razorbacks. <laughs> um, let's see, and then Arkansas. And I was at this game. You know, Arkansas destroyed Florida the last time we played in a game that uh, the Florida game. Yes, yes, and uh, man, I, I don't. Yeah, that game was a lot of fun. Arkansas, um, you know, handled business there. But Arkansas's never won in Gainesville, so you know, as we wow. as we look forward to this, the, the, the travel. Obviously, it's a different Gainesville. It's a different swamp. It's not going to have ninety two thousand raucous, loud people as much as Dan Mullen wants them there. And um, and so, what's your thoughts, man? As we as we start thinking about this game. Yeah, I mean, obviously, on on paper, you look at it, it's it's a tough matchup. I mean, Florida's proven, especially with the, that big win over Georgia, a convincing win at that last weekend, um, that they're the team to beat in the SEC East. Um, and Arkansas didn't fare too well in the opener against Georgia. They did for a half or almost three quarters. But that, the, the offense is just the story for Florida. I mean, like SEC Mike said, I mean, Kyle Trask is arguably – the, the best quarterback in the SEC. He's, he's a Heisman contender. Um, so Arkansas has its work cut out for him as far as the passing game. Um, but I do think there are some things, and we'll get into this, but I think there are some things on, on the defensive side of the ball uh, for Florida that Arkansas can really take advantage of. And, and I, like, I like the thought of having Felipe Franks going into his old, his old school, old stopping ground. Kind of a, a, a revenge game factor in, in, of sorts. Um, so I think Arkansas can score some points and, and and put up some yards in this game. Yeah, I I really like Felipe Franks this week. I, I think I know that everybody it's it's the popular thing to talk about, and maybe he gets too amped up when he comes out there. But I mean, yeah. let's let's be real now. I mean, Trask beat him out after after the injury. Um, you know, Frank's you know Frank's transfers. You look at their numbers this year, and and yeah, Trask has got a ton more yards, four hundred, almost four hundred more yards passing, uh, eight more touchdowns. But they've got the same number of interceptions, almost the same number of uh, of attempts and completions. Frank's is sitting there with fourteen hundred and twenty eight yards. Trask to 1,815. and and I think you know obviously Frank's as a competitor is going to want to come out and and prove some things and. And I heard it earlier today when I was listening to the good old Randy Rainwater in drive time. But, you know, it's true. Arkansas has nothing to lose. And Florida, 
you know, got a lot to lose in this game potentially. So, you know, Arkansas, even without Sam Pittman this week, you know, and I think that that could play out. And I'm not, don't get me wrong, I don't mean this as a benefit to Pittman not being there, but I think Pittman not being there may be a benefit mindset-wise for these guys and really wanting to play extremely hard to get the win for their coach who can't be there. Yeah, I mean, and Sam Pittman's kind of tried to downplay his absence all week long. No, and, not Sam while, Pittman. <laughs> downplay something, not him. Oh, Sam, yeah, exactly. I mean, he won't take an ounce of credit for anything, so... I mean, obviously, I think it's going to have an effect on the team. But I, but I've heard I've heard people say this this week, especially on sports radio. Um, but if you're gonna if you're gonna be missing somebody, I'd much rather be missing Sam Pittman than either of the coordinators. I just think that would have a lot more of an effect on Arkansas this week. You hired a guy like Barry Odom. I mean, for, for the fact that he's a great defensive coach, but also because he was a former head coach um, for a situation potentially like this. I mean, like you said, look at look at the defensive numbers for Florida. I mean, they're 92nd in passing defense. They're giving up 262 yards a game, 10 touchdowns. They've only picked off four passes this year. So that, that's even worse than what Arkansas faced in Tennessee last week, which I thought they were already susceptible. Um, offensively, like you said, with trash and the numbers. But we've mentioned this before. Um, no Kyle Pitts, most likely, on Saturday. And that's been their big, their biggest weapon. That's huge news considering yeah. what we saw Weidermeyer did to Arkansas um, for A&M. I mean, they, they, Pitts probably would have had a field day. But they do still have a lot of weapons. Kadarius Toney, um, he's very electric with the ball. He's quick and shifty. Um, they throw the ball to Malik Davis out of the backfield some. Uh, the running game hasn't been too successful this year, but I think it's, that's more of a product of they haven't needed it to be. I mean, they lean on that passing game. They're averaging 4.24 yards per carry when they need to run. I mean, they're 96 nationally, but I think it's just because they don't run the ball much. Um, but like you said, I mean, I think there are, we'll get into the, the keys to the game and all that. But, but Arkansas is going to have a chip on its shoulder. I think Arkansas has got a narrative every single week, pretty much a storyline or something to play for as far as a guy that used to play for this team or used to coach for this team. Um, and not having Sam Pittman, having Barry Odom to, to rally the troops, and I think they really will play for Felipe Franks this week, and I think that'll have an effect on them. Um, and plus, like we said, I mean, all these other games are dropping like flies, and they're the premier game of the week. This is a huge opportunity for Arkansas to make a statement. Yeah, it's really disappointing that they didn't move this to the 230 CBS slot. I think that should have happened. I mean, well, actually, right. no, I take that back. I don't. Or the late game on CBS. <laughs> yeah, see, I, that would have been better. I'm actually, um, I, I'm actually, I take that back. I, I, I changed my mind because we we have to go take family portrait pictures on Saturday, and I think it's at like two o'clock. So six thirty actually works better. Let's just stick to that. That way, I don't have to miss the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the I think the Alabama LSU game was supposed to be the late CBS game, right after the Masters. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so that would have worked out. Yeah, that would have been. Yeah, they should have they should have just switched it over to that. But I mean. Prime time on ESPN still after the Masters. I think you're going to have a lot of eyes on this one. Yeah, as long as – well, I guess the Masters can't go long. At that time, it'll be dark. It won't matter. They'll have to shut the right. down anyway. So, yeah. So, yeah, you hit on a good a couple of the, the key players for sure. Uh, you know, the, it'll be interesting. You know, we do expect Pitts not to play in this game. So, it's going to be interesting to see how – uh, how Florida lines up and, and how they try to take advantage of, of this Arkansas defense because, you know, not many teams have been able to. Obviously, A&M had some success picking on uh, on Hudson Clark a little bit. 
Um, but you know, Hudson came back this week and 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 really pretty. They had a pretty good game against Tennessee in a game where they didn't try to throw the ball much. So, you know, you know, for me, and as I jump into these keys of the game, one of the keys for me is going to be, you know, this this secondary has been completely hyped up. The no fly zone, the you know, leading the nation mm-hmm. in interceptions, the 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 you know, emergence of a guy like Hudson Clark out of nowhere, you know, tied for the league lead in interceptions. And it's you know no question that Arkansas really needs to create havoc and create turnovers to have a chance to win, and so um, you know as we as we look at that matchup between the secondary and then a quarterback in Kyle Trask who setting all kinds of SEC records, he's on pace to with what Joe Burrow did last year. You know one big key is. Does Arkansas sit in that, you know, bring three with some some blitzes here or there and 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 drop eight and and hope to just not get bit by the deep ball from from Florida? Yeah, I think turnovers are incredibly important in this game. I mean, you mentioned leading the nation in, in interceptions. Arkansas has, I think, eleven picks on the year, and they actually had eleven interceptions in the last two seasons combined. Um, so they've been way more disruptive. Um, and opportunistic, and, and it's going to take that because obviously Florida's going to get theirs on offense. You're not going to be able to totally shut them down. Um, they put up points and, and a ton of yards on everybody, so they're they're going to do that again on Saturday. It's pretty much inevitable. Um, but they got Arkansas needs to find a way to force a turnover or two in key spots, and then when they are able to do that, really take advantage of it, give themselves a short field, and turn those turnovers into points. Yeah, and, and you know Trask has had some opportunities to throw some t- to, to turn the ball over, and he's gotten fr- pretty lucky a few times this year. So, you know, he's going to give us you know our opportunities to get those turnovers. Arkansas, Arkansas cannot let those opportunities literally slip through their hands. They've got to get they've, they've yeah. got to get those turnovers. Um, you know, another another key to this game, and I think I mean obviously this is right there one A one B is how Arkansas runs the ball. So I mentioned this on our on our Natural State Sports page, but you know the the Razorbacks have averaged 190 yards per game the last three. And it's a Gators defense that's only allowing about 140 yards per game on the ground. Um, now I don't know, maybe part of that is the fact that teams, you know, to keep up with Florida, they've had to throw the ball more. Obviously Alabama right. chucked the ball all over the field. Uh, and, and so um, so we'll you know I'll, I'll be curious to see how that matchup works out um, between you know, between the Hogs running game, which you know we've really seen. I mean, what, I think Traylon would Traylon have over what was he at over eight yards of carry last week on nine carries, mm-hmm. and so you know I'd love to see more Traylon. I'd love to see them get him involved in the passing game a little more, get him out in space, and, and force Florida defend to defend sideline to sideline. But this running game this week, if there's ever been a week where it's important. For two reasons. One, you know Felipe Franks is going to want to get his. He's going to want to prove some things this week. And, and in order yeah. to do that, he's got to have time. And you can't you can't allow Florida to just pin their ears back and come after us. You can't, you know, you can't just sit back and 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 let Florida attack your quarterback and attack this suspect offensive line. So the running game has got to do their part and, and I think it's extremely important. I think this running game's got to get in the 200-yard range for Arkansas to have a realistic opportunity to win this game. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, I have I have it in my notes, especially with Traylon Smith. Um, no disrespect to Rakeem Boyd. I mean, he, he, he's played better lately. I really want to see Traylon Smith touch the ball more. I think they need to find more ways to get him the ball out in space, different sorts of runs, and like you said, with the passing game, 
Uh, and it's another week where you're, you're, you're facing a potent offense that you need to keep off the field as much as you can. Um, so running the ball is going to be at a premium. I just think offense in general, we've really seen sort of an evolution of Arkansas's offense as the year has gone, gone by. Each week, I think they've gotten, gotten better and better and improved. Um, and this, even though Florida's a top 10, top five opponent, their defense is not at that level. So th- they can take advantage of some things that Florida does. Um, and I think that, like you said, Felipe Franks is going to be locked in and fired up. Um, he's really done his best work so far this year on the road. Um, I mean, I hope that he's not too hyped up and, and forced it too much. But I think that he has an opportunity to have a really big game. Um, and, and I do think that the running game will help him a lot. And then another big point that I'd like to make is just don't be intimidated. Like I said, I mean, they're a top 10 opponent. It's a primetime game on ESPN. you got all these other FCC games postponed. So you're going to have a lot of people watching you. You're playing without Sam Pittman. you got Barry Odom at the helm calling the shots. I mean, I, we've seen Barry Odom's speeches and some of the videos they put out. He's very fiery. I mean, he's a very motivational guy. With the, ob- the obvious backstory with Felipe, I mean, he needs to stay calm and play within himself and not force it. But if Arkansas can play for each other, can play for Sam Pittman, play for Felipe Franks, I mean, just be the aggressor and take the fight to Florida, I mean, the Gators could potentially be slow out of the gate. They could be um, in, in for a little bit of a letdown early after beating Georgia. I mean, that was that was a big game for them to get up for. Um, so Arkansas just needs to act like they belong, and, and they can get Florida all they want for four quarters if they do that. Well, and, and you just hit, hit on my last key as well, and, and that's the fact that you know, Florida's coming off a huge game. I mean, everybody built yeah. that game up as, you know, basically the SEC East game, and it is. I mean, Florida, Florida right. now, you know, has you know they their their futures in their hands, and, and all they got to do is win. And so that game was big. But not only was that a big game emotionally, but my goodness, man, they beat the snot out of each other. Obviously, Pitts, <laughs> yeah. Pitts not being available this week is part of that. With that, that hit was brutal. That man. Absolutely brutal hit over the middle. Was, I mean, I thought it was a pretty good football play. I know he got ejected for uh, for targeting, but I don't know. I thought it was pretty close. It was just a it was just a football play, man. Just two guys hammering each other. So I think that could play into this game a little bit in that you know where Arkansas, if Arkansas can start fast offensively. Florida mm-hmm. may be a little slow to get out the gates, and, and Arkansas could maybe jump out on this Florida team. And, and when you give an – I mean, everybody knows this. You give an underdog a chance. You, you, an underdog, you know, gets ahead like that and gets a couple of scores. And obviously Florida, they showed it last week against Georgia. They can come back against anybody. So uh, a 21, even a 28-point lead is probably not safe against, against this Florida team. But yeah. Arkansas being able to get out early and maybe take advantage of a little bit of a sluggish, maybe beat up uh, Florida team that's not wanting to take those hits early on in this game, maybe that's an opportunity for Arkansas to kind of jump out and, and, and get a lead early and, and then be there in the second half when underdogs win games because they're able to hang around and, and keep gaining that confidence play after play. So I don't know. That's my hope is that Arkansas can – can come out and, and be a little more physical early, get started early, and, and take advantage of this maybe you know sluggish Florida offense early on. Yeah, I mean, the key in, in games like this is always to keep yourself in it. Because like you said, the longer the underdog sticks around, the more confidence they have that they belong and that they can win the game. So as long as Arkansas doesn't take some huge haymaker and get down multiple scores um, at any point, I mean, I think they have a, a really solid chance Obviously, we'll pick the game here in a second, but I think they have a really solid chance to make it a, at least a competitive battle. All right, so you said it, and we'll jump into it. Official predictions. 
I don't remember who gave theirs first last week, so I'll go first. This I don't either. I've, I'll go first this week. So just – and I'm going to update this now before we get into our predictions for the rest of the SEC and, and a couple of top 25 games. But uh, after last week, I have now taken the, the, the seat in the second-place position. Um, I didn't actually – I'm up- back, baby. Yeah, I didn't actually update the numbers this week, but I know you took a one-point lead with my uh, – Vanderbilt and Georgia picks last week. <laughs> and if Vanderbilt doesn't turn the freaking ball over five times, they win that game. But anyway, I, I tried to go out on a limb there, but it was a good shot. It was close. Hey, Vanderbilt should have won that stinking game. Dead gummit. So uh, I saw a minute ago, not to get off on a rabbit hole, but I just saw another headline. Looks like Mississippi State's losing another player who's decided to opt out. So they just keep All dropping right. like flies down in Starkville. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mal, my pick. So when this line came out, I know that uh, there was a couple people, namely Will and maybe a couple of you guys in our group chat that were pretty frustrated or, or, or thought 17 and a half was, it was a big number. Um, I, you know, I thought it was fair. Yeah, I did too. And I mean, I know, you know, Mike, you know, was, uh, you know, he was, he was kind of surprised by 17, thought it was kind of too big of a number. I was a pretty good number at the time. I thought Arkansas, um, you know, I really – initially was not really high on Arkansas in this game. Thought Arkansas would probably lose by 20. Um, and and the more I've thought about it throughout the week, obviously maybe this is my, my Razorback red sunglasses and my, you know, my homerisms <laughs> coming out, but I felt a little more, you know, confident in what Arkansas can do this week. Um, you know, I, I heard, I listened to Trey Biddy today on, on drive time and he made the point that, you know, this is one of those games where he has no idea what to feel. Like he doesn't know how to feel about this game because of some of the questions for Florida and obviously the, the mm-hmm. situation with Felipe. So that being said, I've, I've really, I've been able to close the gap mentally in my head of what I think this game is going to do, but I can't get Arkansas over the, over the hump this week. I, I think Florida's just too good offensively. I think Kyle Trask is going to get his this week just because he is that good of a quarterback. He's probably the best quarterback in the SEC, 1A, 1B with him and Mac Jones maybe, like, like Mike was saying. But I think Arkansas makes this way more respectable than people think, and I think they make it way more respectable than I even I thought you know, initially this week. Even without Sam Pittman, I think Arkansas plays in a motivated way. I think they play hard um, as they've been doing all year. But I like Florida to win this one 45-35. Man, that was very close to mine. I thought you were literally <laughs> going to say the same score. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, on paper, this this isn't really a favorable matchup for Arkansas. Like you said, the line is 17, 17 and a half, which I think Florida's earned that, especially being the home team. Um, they've shown that they're the best team in the East by beating Georgia last year, I mean, last year, last week. Um, and it's a Georgia team that, that handled Arkansas by, by kicking them out in the opener of the season. Um, Kyle Trask is on fire. I mean, he's a tough guy to stop. And I'd honestly put Florida's passing game up against just about anybody in the nation. Um, but Arkansas has the perfect opportunity to really turn some heads. I, mean, I know we've talked about this, but most of the other SEC games have gotten postponed. They're playing at 6 p.m. or on prime time on ESPN in front of the entire country. And they're really going to need to rally around the fact that Sam Pittman isn't there and they have Barry Odom to call the shot. They really need to rally around Felipe Franks returning to his former school. And they really need to rally around being able to, to have the opportunity to really play SEC spoiler here because Florida controls its own destiny. Um, 
like you mentioned, it's, it's hard to know how to feel. I don't know if I'm being too confident in Arkansas. Um, I think it's possible Arkansas could be due for a blowout, and this is the type of team that could do that to them. Um, but I'm with you. I think that Arkansas is going to show a whole lot of fight, and I think they're going to make Florida earn every bit of it. Um, but, however, overall, I think Florida just has too many weapons. Um, I think they're on the fast track to play Alabama in the SEC title game. Um, but I do think Arkansas hangs around and puts up a decent amount of points and yards, just not enough to, to beat a team of this caliber. Um, and I think Florida's going to win it 45 to 30. Ooh, we were close, man. We, yeah, we, we're, we're too close on all this stuff. This is, I know, I out. scared me there for a second. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the exact same score. <laughs> Thank goodness. No. All right. So <laughs> let's jump into some scores. We, 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 so we had to throw, we normally only do SEC, but we had, and, and let me just say, there's not any good game. Like, I mean, Mike said it. It's a stinker of a weekend. Yeah. You've said it that this Arkansas Florida game is probably the premier game of the entire weekend. So, um, yeah. yeah. So Alabama, LSU obviously canceled, which isn't it crazy? I mean, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but isn't it crazy when you think about every time you see Alabama and LSU play, it's always like one versus five or one versus – it's one number one versus a two and three LSU team if the game was to be played. So, um, yeah, anyway, that one's canceled. Texas A&M, Tennessee canceled. Georgia, Missouri canceled. And then Auburn, Mississippi State canceled. So we'll get to the games that actually matter. We've already picked Arkansas, Florida. And – Oh my God, these other two games are awful. Um, I was about to say, matter, <laughs> games that matter is kind of a relative term this weekend. Yeah. So, 0 and 5 Vanderbilt. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the Derek Mason thing is, is probably very quickly about to be over against 2 and 4 Kentucky. Kentucky comes in as a 17 point favorite, which, I mean, think about that for a second. Kentucky's offense is terrible. And they're picking them by 17. That just goes to show how little faith anyone or respect anyone has in Vanderbilt. I'll pick this one first. And I think Kentucky's just too good defensively. Uh, They'll get some things done probably on offense. I think Ken Seals can can maybe get some things done. The freshman quarterback for Vanderbilt, he's had a pretty good year so far, kind of coming along, especially uh, he didn't do terrible against Mississippi State. But uh, I like Kentucky in this one. I don't know that they'll cover the 17 just – because it's such a crappy game, but I like Kentucky. <laughs> I like Kentucky to beat Vanderbilt. Yeah, this one this one would make a, a lot more interesting baseball or, or even basketball yes. game. Um, I'm not I'm not impressed with either of these teams really. I mean, like you said, Kentucky has a pretty solid defense, but outside of that, everything else is pretty abysmal. Uh, Vandy's still yet to have a, a victory on the season. Um, I think it's possible they could pull the upset this week. Um, due to that lack of offense of Kentucky, but but I think that Vanderbilt's defense is really bad. I think it might just be the remedy that, that the Wildcats need to score some points, um, and I think Kentucky wins by two touchdowns. All right, so the other game of the weekend is another pretty ugly one, although it could be maybe offensively entertaining. I don't know, or it could just be offensive. South Carolina <laughs> at Ole Miss – Ole Miss wants to throw the ball over the yard. Obviously, South Carolina doesn't really know what they want to do. What's your thoughts? How do you see this game playing out? Yeah, I mean, South Carolina's a, a really confusing team to me this year. They Like we've seen, they they upset Auburn, but then they followed that up by getting absolutely blown out by a really bad LSU team. Um, it feels like they're trending in, in the wrong direction. Um, I think things are going south quickly there. Um, and, and I know that Ole Miss is two and four, but I still feel like there's there's some positive vibes there. They've had a lot of offensive success, and I just don't think that much chance can hang with the lane train offensively. 
Um, I think the Rebels win the game, and I think they actually cover the spread. Yeah, so eleven point spread on this one. Ole Miss, you know, like Arkansas, Ole Miss could be three and three right now instead of two and four. Uh, we we know the story there. So you know, South Carolina's given up two hundred over two hundred fifty yards passing a game. They've not really f- seen an offense this dynamic. You know, they got eat alive by that freshman who was making his first start for LSU. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. As Mike said, you know, this defense has fallen apart. This is a South Carolina team giving up 33 points a game. Um, but I think this game will potentially be extremely high scoring. I think that that, that Colin Hill and, and, and Harris for South Carolina do some things uh, in the running game. I think Hill has an okay game. But I still think Ole Miss is just too much offensively. It's a team that's you know averaging almost 14 points a, uh, more a game than South Carolina. And South Carolina's not stopping anybody. So South Carolina's going to get some offense out of this. But I'm with you. I think Ole Miss wins this one probably by two touchdowns. And, all right, so now i got to switch over, though, because since we <laughs> don't have anything good. Glenn Pickens. Well, I shouldn't say anything good. We don't have anything else in the SEC. Let me get yeah. back over to this national scoreboard real quick. All right, so we decided before we're going we're gonna to pick a couple other games, and I'm telling you, man, it's, a, it, it's not – thank goodness for the <laughs> Masters this weekend because it's not a banner weekend. Um, for, yeah, I, I – uh, Bought the bought the new Xbox the other night, and it's supposed to come in tomorrow. So I think I'm probably going to spend most of my time doing that because there's not much to watch this weekend. <laughs> well, you enjoy that. That'll be a lot of fun. My son is begging for the new <laughs> PS5, and I, I'm like, you're seven. I refuse to buy that yet. And we, you can still play the PS4. <laughs> I bought you a Nintendo Switch last year, and you just now figured out how to play that thing. So we're going to give it a couple of years. <laughs> so, all right. So the only – these are the only games that you and I could find of interest for the week. So um, I'll start with this one. We'll go to the ACC. Actually, and this just goes to show how much we don't know, or I don't know. I won't yeah. say we yet. But this this game's interesting. What am I missing? And, and this is how – yeah, anyway. Number nine, Miami, against – and they're at Virginia Tech, four and three team. But Virginia Tech's a two-point favorite in this game. Yeah. Uh, I, re- I mean, I, I, I put down, I have no idea why, uh, the Hokies are favored in this one. Um, seems kind of hokey to me. Um, bad pun. Uh, oh, but great. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe this is one of those sneaky games that, that Miami doesn't get up for and gets upset on the road. But I just think Virginia Tech blew a very winnable game against Liberty last week. Um, De'Eric King has been really good for Miami. I mean, even like Heisman contending good. I think he's going to be really good again this weekend. Um, I just think the Hurricanes are, are, are the better team, and I think they win by at least 10 points. I don't, I don't really understand that spread. Yeah, I mean, unless De'Aaron King's got COVID and we don't know about it, I don't I – don't, I mean, I'm looking through, like, the the Virginia Tech news. I look through the Miami news. Like, I'm not seeing anything. It's a Virginia Tech team that lost to Wake. I mean, to Wake yeah. Forest. Like, come on. They barely beat Duke. They, they took care of Boston College. They did, you know, beat – Louisville by a touchdown, but then they lose to to, to Liberty in a game they sh- really should have won. So I don't I don't get it. But I think Miami no. I think Miami wins this game easily. But somewhere the the, the betting folks apparently know more. They than know you. they know something. They know a lot. Yeah. They know a lot more than I do. I know that. But whatever it is, uh, we'll see. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't I don't get it. So anyway, I'm gonna 
I mean, I guess I'm going to go ahead and go with Miami just because they're that good. I, I'd, I'd love to go Virginia Tech, but now that I'm down a game, I can't really make those <laughs> bold jumps, I don't think, just yet. Not in that game anyway. Uh, all right, our second game, another 11 a.m. kickoff out in East Lansing. The team, the program that Arkansas fans have learned to really hate on uh, social media, especially Twitter as of late. <laughs> yeah, um, What's the deal with that? Man, I don't know. There was some serious. The former no-fly zone. Yes. Yeah. Oh, they created. Anyway, yeah, that's another podcast. So, number 10, Indiana, travels to East Lansing at Michigan State. Indiana comes in as a seven-point favorite. Kind of the surprise of the Big Ten, Indiana, right now. Uh, they, they, they've had a good start to the season, obviously. I go. I'll go first on this one. Seven point line again. Another one of those lines that just seems odd. But maybe it's COVID. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like this game should be more. But it's the Big Ten. They're going to pound on each other. And Michigan State just went and got absolutely murdered last week. I like yeah. Indiana to do the same thing this week. I think that seven point line is is not even close. I think Indiana. Yeah, you know, I, I, I tend to think Indiana blows them out, blows Michigan State out again this week. So uh, Michigan State can't tackle anybody. Uh, they're, they're pretty putrid on offense. Um, I like Indiana this week, and I like Indiana big. Yeah, the, the Hoosiers are the surprise of, of that conference especially, but even nationally so far being undefeated. I think if they win this game, um, it's either the division or maybe even the entire Big Ten conference they'd have sole possession of um, because Ohio State's not playing this week. Um, and I think that's exactly what they're going to do. I mean, Michigan State, they did upset Michigan, but outside of that, their other two games, they've looked really awful. Um, just think the Hoosiers are a better team, and I, I think that they, they win and cover the spread. All right, we're going to stick to the Big Ten. The game is going to be opposite of Arkansas uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. We'll stick, stick with this Michigan theme. Number 13, Wisconsin, finally gets to get back on the football field again. They'll go up against a Michigan team that is in, in turmoil. Harbaugh is trying to fight off the pitchforks yet again. Wisconsin comes in as a four-and-a-half-point favorite. How are you feeling about this one? Who you got? Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin's never a very pretty team. They just always seem to find a way to get it done. Um, I think that, that Harbaugh's stock, like you said, is going to continue to plummet, and the Badgers will take care of business. Um, I know it's a road game at Michigan's usually a tough environment. Obviously, everything's different this year with COVID, but I think the Badgers are will feel good about getting back on the field, and I think they get the victory. Okay, so this is where I'm going to try to gain a number on you. I'm I not to say you got to do it somewhere. Yeah, I'm not giving up on Michigan yet. I like Milton. I like the. I like what he brings when when Harbaugh uses him properly. I have actually watched a little bit of Michigan this year, not a whole lot, but I've watched a little bit. You know, their their issue more def- than I have defensively. They've just they they've been really really bad defensively. Um, and, and to me, Wisconsin, you know, this is a team that that played. Pretty pretty good in their first game. What did they they won that first game? Yeah, pretty handily over Illinois, forty five to seven, in a game that some people thought they may struggle. But now you 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 have two games back to back canceled. Um, you know, you're you're stuck in this stupid Big Ten twenty one day rule uh, where you, which is going to end up canceling. Ridiculous. Yeah, basically every team's going to get screwed over. Obviously, Ohio State and Maryland being canceled in the Big Ten this week. I think they come out sluggish, not playing for two weeks. Um, they're going to play a good Michigan team on the road. And as, as bad as Michigan has looked at times this year, this is still a pretty good team. And I think this is one of those games that Michigan gets up for. It's a top 15 matchup or a top 15 team that they can they, they can probably beat. So I like Michigan in this game. The line, and I had that line there in front of me. Um, 
I don't know why I just did that. There I think you go. said four and a half. Yeah, four and a half for for Wisconsin. I, I like I like Michigan not only to cover, but I like Michigan to win this game outright at home. And uh, I think that Milton has a big game offensively for Michigan, and, and they take care of business this week. Another one of those save your job games for Harbaugh, where he just keeps hanging around. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, I could see it. I could see it. I think the only way it, that that you see Harbaugh save his job this year is they've got to beat Ohio State. And, Ohio State. Yeah, and when you look at their schedule, like this is when they've got to turn it on. I mean, obviously they lost to Indiana. You know, if you lose to Wisconsin this week, you got Rutgers, Penn State, Maryland. Those eh, Maryland doesn't look like a win right now, but Rutgers and Penn State are games that you think you can win. Assuming Maryland doesn't have major COVID issues by that December fifth game, you know that's a game they can win, but. You know they they don't really have a chance to impress anybody this week. You know if Harbaugh wants to keep his job, this is a week you have to win, and then you got to beat yeah. Ohio State at the end of the year if you want to have any chances. I think, or at least be mildly competitive and, and make it look like you actually give a crap. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I lost my love with Harbaugh as as a as a Niners fan. It was tough to to see how that that marriage ended. So, um, yeah. Anyway, we'll see how that goes. So, all right. We did another. We did it again, man. We went really long. An it's hour, loaded. Hour and fifteen, well, sixteen mean, minutes. We had SEC Mike. We had to get a plenty out of him. So I, I, we can't we can't beat ourselves up too much. But yeah, this was a loaded podcast. Yes. So, um, so yeah. I mean, other than that, that's it, man. I got nothing else. I want to want to make sure you guys. This will drop obviously on Friday, so you guys should be listening to this as we're getting set up in Maumel, Arkansas, at Maumel High School this weekend for our natural state sports game of the week. Andy will rejoin me in the booth this week as he is finally COVID-free. And uh, we're going to call a first-round playoff game between the Nettleton Raiders and the Maumel Hornets from Maumel. So we're really looking forward to that. Maumel has treated us so well. Coach Horton and, and everybody at Maumel, the parents of the students, the, the students there, it's been just so much fun. We've loved being able to go to Maumel this year. And so we're looking forward to bringing that game, that first-round playoff matchup to the airwaves on Friday night. So, guys, make sure you, uh, whether it's YouTube, Natural State Sports, Facebook page, or at ARPrepFB.com, make sure you guys join us. I want to thank Heart of Grace Outdoors for sponsoring that, and uh, looking forward to it. I'm going to be out on the boat with Wes on Sunday, I think, so try to get some some good footage for this uh, mini-series that we got coming up here in a, in a few weeks. Yeah, I'm excited for this weekend. I mean, we've talked about it. We've beat it up over and over, but it's, it's rare when Arkansas has the opportunity to be in the game of the week, and I think that's exactly what they have. I really want this game for Felipe. A, a victory would be incredible. Um, I don't think Arkansas has quite enough to do that, but, I mean, hey, who knows this year? They've shown that they've, they've beaten the odds multiple times in a row, so perfect chance to, to play in front of the nation and, and play a really, really good team and, and maybe notch an upset victory in your first ever in Gainesville. Yep, I'm with you, man. Let's hope the Hogs can get it done this week. Once again, thanks to Michael Braddon, SEC Mike, on the Twitter sphere for joining us tonight. We really appreciate having him getting his insight on the SEC and the University of Arkansas. And, uh, man, enjoy the game this week. And until next week, woo pig.